It took me 10 minutes to explain to my 81-year-old mother what a Aww. podcast was. She goes, well, will I be able to listen to it? And I said, yeah, I'll find it for you <coughs> so you can listen to it. She goes, well, what I'm so, so, she could still, I don't think she understands what it is. I said, so, but it was so cute that she wanted to know and she wants to listen. And so she was excited. Yeah. Dad, my mom really is just like, will I be able to listen to it right away? I said, as soon as it's released, I'll let you know. And, Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in public PK-12 education. This summer, we are featuring stories about the importance of relationships in public education in our Connections Across Education series. And today, I have Danae Haste and Paola Henriquez with me from Chesterfield County Public Schools. Ms. Haste is a fifth grade teacher at Beulah Elementary School with over 24 years of experience as an educator. And Paola is a rising senior at L.C. Bird High School. So as you will hear, their story shows us the long-lasting impact of high expectations and advocacy. My name is Brianna Nomi, and I'm lucky enough to be your host for this conversation. Ms. Haste, Paola, welcome to you both. Thank you. <laughs> so Ms. Haste, just to start out, can you tell me a little bit about Paola? Well, uh, I met her when uh, I was her fifth grade teacher, and she was 10 years old, and she sat next to my desk the entire year. <laughs> we were, like, just joined, our desks sort of joined and melted together, and um, she was just beloved by all the staff and by all the students, which is a rare combination that the students loved her, the staff loved her, and she was like having another little teacher in the classroom. She would just help other kids, and anything I gave her to do, she did it better than I would do it, and uh, that's how I met her. It's one of my students, and I still treasure her to this day. I can tell when I saw you two kind of reconnect upstairs. It was just a very sweet reunion, and I mean, it hasn't even been that long since you saw each other, right? No, just a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, Paola, tell me about Miss Haste. Um, I met her when I was a fifth grade student at Beulah Elementary School. Um, she is very special to me. She has a unique way of teaching that I adored because she un she was very understanding and she helped explain things a lot through her stories and series of events. <laughs> she was an open book. We always asked all these random questions a fifth grader would ask, and she always knew how to explain the best way possible for us to understand. <laughs> so you've talked about how the two of you met. It's been a long time well, since fifth grade. Mm -hmm. How has your relationship evolved since then? Well, I was just saying that uh, one of the things that I love about her is that Come April 30th, she always remembers my birthday and sends me a little email. Aww. And then she went to Shinton and wishes me a happy birthday. And uh, she sent me her, um, was it prom pictures? Or? Yes, yes, prom pictures. Oh, beautiful prom pictures of her. And then we, um, we tend to know some of the same people because some of the students that I have now, she knows. And so we stay connected that way. <laughs> but um, I just hope that I always know her. There's some students I know from, you know, t from every year that I've been teaching. I still know them. You know, I still have a relationship with them. I still talk to them, text them, email them. 
Um, I have a few girls that I had this year in my class. I know that I will know them for our whole entire lives because I feel so close to them. And I want to know, you know, how are they doing in college? How's their life going? And I just don't, like, shut the door at the end of fifth grade and say, okay, go on with your life. I just, you know, I know it's not plausible to know all your children, but they're just Mm -hmm. those special ones where you're like, I'm holding on to them, and I want to still know how their lives are going. Absolutely. And those are fifth graders. Mm -hmm. They're young people. How do you develop such strong relationships with them? That's really powerful. I think the number one thing I do is try to find some common ground, even if it's not common for me at the time. For example, you know, you have boys who love certain video games, so I will go home, watch YouTube videos, on the video games they like, so at least I know what the main theme is and I can talk about it. And they get so excited when I'm like, you know that game? So I went home and watched it. I had a student from Cambodia this year, who, and I tried to learn some Cambodian. It was very wow. hard. And um, so I try to find something, whether it's sports or a group of the girls that I had this year, they liked um, Zimbo's Just Desserts, an Australian cooking show. So I started watching that, and then we could talk about it. <laughs> but I do try to find some. There's something about every child you can find a connection to that something that interests them, and um, that. And I think the other big thing is that you just learn to treat children with dignity. That you're not yelling at them. That you're not embarrassing them. That you're just saying to them sometimes, just go take a break from the classroom for a few minutes. And when you feel like it, come back. I'm not mad at you. Just come back when you're ready. And usually they respond to that because they're not used to adults being patient with them. And I might be the only adult they see that year that is showing them some sort of dignity. So I try to always treat them with dignity and find common ground with them. Yeah. So, um, Paola, how has Miss Haste made you think differently about school? Miss Haste has made me think differently about school and the way that I have been able to realize my potential. Mm-hmm. I have been able to go through these rigorous classes after fifth grade and still know that um, I would get advanced credits from the Honors Institute program that she allowed opened the window for me to apply to. And that helped me through high school to get other classes out the way and attend the specialty center at the same time. So I'm just very grateful from that boost from ever, ever since the start. Um, without it, I would have been having to take the classes because of the requirements and the standard things of the diploma credits and all that. But I feel like that boost gave me space to just think about what other things I could do beyond of what is expected beyond the standard. So school, it's good to accept the challenges and just keep going. Um, So from this point on, senior year, I have to take a lot of AP classes, but that (laughs) is okay because I signed up for that. And the rigor of it will help me out in the long run. And the lessons you learn in any class, it's, it's good to have to keep preparing you for lifelong things. So whenever I put my mind that I would be able to go to college um, because of the support and the academic strength, I have the hope that the goal will be accomplished. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the future um, brings to me and how I can accomplish it. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, that honors program that you mentioned? What What was that like and how did you get involved in that program? I was in fifth grade and the end of it... 
came. I was really sad, but I got to graduate. However, Miss Hayes uh, brought up the talk about the Salem Church um, in Honors Institute program, and there was a small requirement of to write an essay, and um, the program was for academically inclined students who um, just love to learn. <laughs> and um, I signed up, and they accepted me, so I was very grateful for that. Um, <clears throat> once I got into the program, I asked around the other students, like, how did you get in, or how, what was your process like? And they're like, oh, well, my parent knew someone, mm. and they were able to sign up that way. I was like, oh, that's cool. My teacher nominated me. <laughs> and, um, I was very grateful for that because I am, uh, I guess, a first-generation student who gets to study in the uni United States. Um, so, like, my parents didn't have that experience. It wasn't the same thing in another country. So now that I have that experience, I can pass it on to my children, if that makes sense. So I'm very grateful for that. And that it, it's just one tip that can change someone else's life completely. So it's good to know, like, to share those ideas and take advantage of them, too. Because if I would have said, oh, that essay... <laughs> I, yeah. I wrote it, I took the action and the initiative, so I'm really happy about that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. the, um, at our school, we have a high percentage of students whose parents don't speak English, so I just try to look out for the kids to make sure that they're steering off into the right path and someone's checking on, because they can't, it's difficult to get help on filling out applications and um with this Pride Academy that she went to, the Honors Institute, it's uh, a teacher uh, component, a student grade component, and then a little essay. But she would have gotten it without a teacher. Right? You would have gotten it without a teacher recommendation. She was an extremely strong student. So, But there's always that piece of someone yeah. believing in you and someone, you know, having the the knowledge and being able to to give you opportunities mm -hmm. and provide you with those. So it sounds like it meant a lot to actually just have that support and someone saying, I think you can do this. You should do this. Yes, it did mean a lot. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for mm -hmm. that. It's my pleasure. <laughs> um, so Ms. Haste, how has Paola made you think differently about like work and your profession and what you do? Well, you know, in every class, there's these just little superstars that just when you get a little bit discouraged or you have a bad interaction with a parent or something happens and you, they, you just go and you see their little faces and you're like, okay, I remember why I'm doing this. And um, it, without fail, every year, there's those little kids that just lift you up. I mean, they just lift you up and carry you through the year. She's definitely one. I still have work products uh, that I use in my classroom as models, like uh, her temperature poster, her uh, like ocean floor poster. Oh my gosh, you remember I still, specific ones. <laughs> I, because I use them every year as teaching. You remember doing all those projects? Because <laughs> all of her projects were just unbelievable. And just the amount of time and work and everything was just, it could have been like professionally made. And I still hold them up and say, okay, not everyone can do this, but this is, you know, the top of the line here. And they all go, oh, and I was like, <laughs> you know, just, um, just I, and every time I pull them out, I think about her face and, oh, you know, it just brings back all those memories. But um, it's just kids like that just make it all worthwhile when you're having a bad day. You can go, I can keep going because this child is giving me so much more back than I'm even giving them. Yeah. 
Sometimes we forget that yeah. students are actually, you know, giving us what we're giving them in return. So it's or more. We forget about us it. More, yeah. And it's often not talked about as much. It's that like one-way delivery system, mm-hmm. teachers to students. Um, when I was teaching, part of the hardest part of leaving the classroom was knowing that I'd be leaving students, mm-hmm. and that kept me up at night. That was hard for me. Um, so. We asked you both to kind of come up with a question for the other individual. Um, so we're going to start with Ms. Hayes. Do you have a question that you'd like to ask Paola just about, it could be about anything. Well, I wanted to know, because always, I always do ask kids this, what could change about education to make it even more meaningful for you? Because we always say, what was, you know, what was good, but what was not, what needs to change in education, do you think, to make it more meaningful for kids? I know that's a big question. That's a good question. That's a good question. That could be another podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> what could change? Like when you're not having a good experience in a class, do you know the reason why you're not having? Is it because of the delivery style or is it just the, the subject or the workload or the other students in the classroom? Or I think it could be a combination of both. Okay. Sometimes the balance is, is one-sided. Um, I learned that teamwork it all needs to be a teamwork. It can't some something cannot rule over the other. Mm. Um, so it needs to be a balance of students in the classroom. I believe we can't just have all the very smart kids in mm. one, all mm. the, the very not in another. Because I think everyone has the characteristic that they are um, that they are, they can give. And it, and it, when it comes together in teamwork, it's it's something beautiful. Mm. So I think there, there's a balance in the classroom, balance with the school work as well, because we all have lives out of school. Um, what what could make it better for kids? You know, like motivate kids to want to learn more. Um, because motivation, to me, is the hardest thing to teach somebody. How do you motivate somebody who's unmotivated? Maybe just more communication from mm-hmm. teachers to students and students to teachers. Uh, have a field of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, sometimes there could be the only person that they share a smile with during the day. Parents are very busy at work, and the time they have at school is is like their second home, it's their second family. So it's it's best to think it um, to have a second family at school, and have um, good communication because with that you can pick up on anything that they're feeling down on and help out with communication with counselors. Help too. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that the counselors are there, and any problem just needs to be communicated and addressed. Just to, be, to have the bravery to do that mm-hmm. um, needs to be engraved in the students, I think, to have yeah. the courage, because um, everyone has a voice. So, yeah. You've brought up a lot of really, <laughs> really big changes that need to take place. I agree with every single one of those, and I think that communication is key from the top down. Um, and like you said, Ms. Hayes, treating students with dignity, it's like the the respect that you have for students and knowing that that communication is very valuable, um, not thinking that students deserve anything less. And sometimes you have to figure out uh, some kids will never raise their hand and ask you a question, mm-hmm. no matter how comfortable you make them feel. So you just have to like kind of saddle up next to them during recess and say, hey, you know, just one one-on-one. Or say, if anyone has a question, but I don't want to ask it, write it down, throw it on my desk. Um, and Or, you know, now with technology, kids will sometimes text me or email me questions that they would never, ever ask in class or tell me, I don't understand what we're doing. So um, I've been using Google Classroom a lot. 
And especially in my accelerated math class, kids, uh, all right, what are you having trouble with in math? And I, I am just shocked. I'm just like, I didn't know they were having trouble with this because they'll type back an answer rather than say it. And I'm like, this has opened up a whole new door. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm constantly asking, what are you having trouble with? What do, you, what do we need to review more? And it's amazing the kids that never, ever speak will type me back something like, I don't know how to divide fractions. I've just been pretending. (laughs) Okay, I can help you. But I got to, you know, I can't read your mind. So it's really uh, interesting. Technology has actually helped a lot of kids who are very voiceless, as I like to call them in the classroom. They just don't talk. And, um, but they will type. And so that's been wonderful. Um, It's nice to hear technology being used to open up a space, like a safe space. Because too often we hear about technology being used in ways that can be counterproductive or intimidating, but that sounds like a really, it's a nice way for Mm -hmm. students to be able to use their voices. And plus I can set it up in a way where no one else sees what they're asking me. So it's not embarrassing to say, I don't know how to divide fractions. So you can just say it and then I can, and then I'll, you know, just like say, okay, today we're going to review and I don't have to say for this person we're reviewing. (laughs) I just say, today we're going to review like dividing decimals or dividing fractions. And so. And imagine that huge sigh of relief that that Mm -hmm. student's having that just like, yes, finally we're, you know, my teachers listened to me Mm -hmm. and this is what I needed. It's really important. Paola, do you have a question for Ms. Haste that you've been dying to ask? (laughs) Um, So how would you suggest that parents be more involved with students in their learning process or education? That is a great question Mm -hmm. because uh, I have parents that don't speak English, and I'm always so proud of them when they come to conference day. And I'm, I'm thinking, they, you know, they just came even though they don't even know if they can speak to me or not. Um, we have parents whose first reaction is to be angry about everything. We have parents that I never see until graduation day. It's like sometimes the first time I'm meeting them, despite calling, texting, you know, requests for meeting. I just don't, they just don't, I mean, they're working parents and it's just not convenient. Um, We have a lot of kids who are being raised by people other than their parents, so that's always difficult. So it's, I work really, really hard, you know, like to have a relationship with parents who want to have a relationship. And the, you know, I have this little rule in my brain where I don't, for like months, say anything negative or a problem at school when I talk to the parent. Like I, you have to like, get the positives like oh they're doing great just loving how they're reading I saw they had a little difficulty with this but we're working on it and then if you do that for a few months then you can start to open the door and they'll say I'm having a little trouble with and maybe you could help me and or have as a teacher said that before uh, about your your child and sometimes we're like, oh yes or no that's the first I'm hearing it I said well let's just try to figure out I try to you know just pull them in and but the main thing is you can't make the first phone call cannot be a negative phone call like your child is you know and then I really work hard to not send the child to the office because that kind of kills the relationship. You have to do something really, really egregious for me to send you to the office. I don't think I sent anyone to the office this year. And so I work really hard. I'm like, I don't want to have to send you to the office. (laughs) And so let's try to figure out another way to handle this. And when the kids go home and say positive things to their parents about their teacher, 
then you 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 have a leg up right there. You're you're going to have a positive relationship for the most part with um, the parents. But um, I would I know we're working at our school in particular, like opening up. We're going we're moving into a brand new school that's being constructed. Our school's oh, like around a hundred years old, and so we're gonna have all this really cool technology, and we're gonna have like labs open for parents to come in. The church across the street and our um, ESOL people, our English of second second English learners, uh, they work hard with the family members to have classes to learn English, and um, you know we. We have a hot dog night. We try to put food with everything we're doing. We yeah. have McDonald's night oh, yeah. to bring people in and to have a better relationship with the parents. But um, And I also think it's really important. I work really hard you know, to get the parents to come in and actually meet me. They can be in my little space in my room. You remember my room. I work really hard to make it really inviting and friendly and colorful and sort of maybe it's wait some people think it's too much <laughs> but like when the parents come in they're like oh look at this room it's so pretty and um so that that helps if they come in and they meet me then the relationship is better um right away a, a lot of it is just getting the parent into the building and um uh keeping you know cool heads when things you know when parents get upset about things and uh, I always say that, you know, when you're in a school of six and 700 students, not every parent is going to have good mental health. And so you have to figure out how to, you know, distract them or get them back on the conversation or, you know, you just have to. And when you t- taught for a long time, you're good at that. I mean, you're good at figuring out. It's when your new teacher's like, I just had a terrible parent interaction. I'm like, it'll be okay. You'll get, it'll be okay. But, um, I think it's a school by school thing and a teacher by teacher thing because our school we work really hard to have so many things for the parents to come to. I mean, there's just something almost every week for mm-hmm. parents to come to. I mean, I remember when I was um, teaching that sometimes some of the parents that I had interactions with didn't have the most positive experiences when yes. they were students. Mm-hmm. So part of it was like changing that narrative about what a school is like and what schooling is like. Um, and that can be a very big challenge when someone has gone through how many years of school and they have not had a single positive experience. It can yeah. be hard. What do you want people to know about the importance of relationships in public education? I know I kind of talked about it a little bit, but what do you all want people to know about relationships and how that can change what happens in schools? I don't know how any child learns if they don't feel like they're valued or in a sort of have a relationship with a teacher. Um, I know that every single one of my students I had this year could tell you that I cared about them. I mean, they, I cared about them. I mean, um, you know, even the ones that were a little more difficult to manage and stuff, they even knew. They, I know, Miss Hayes, you love me. And, you know, and I, <laughs> yes, I do, but I'm not liking the way you're acting right now. But it's, it's everything because you cannot ask a child to learn if they don't feel valued or heard or they're feeling demeaned or uh, I can remember I was a really good student and I still had teachers that were just like they seemed to hate teaching. They didn't seem to enjoy children. We kind of got in the way of their day <laughs> and it was I remember not really learning much in their class because I didn't feel connected to. Mm-hmm. And then you have these strange, I remember when I took college, you had, I took some strange classes in college but I loved the teachers so much. I got really interested in 
the material because of the person teaching it. You know, it's um, but that's. You know, and I always tell the kids, I said, you might not like this week's lesson, the, you know, the most, but wait till next week because you might like that topic a little bit better. And um, but it's the relationship you have with students is everything. I think it's everything, even over the content that they're learning, because you want them to be self-directed learners and you want them to know how to access information and how to think about things critically. And they cannot do that if they don't have any relationship with the educators. Right. It's everything. Paola, you're nodding your head. Yes. Do you agree with that? <laughs> yes. Um, I look up to all my teachers ever since kindergarten to now and to the future times. I always look up to them. They're role models. Every teacher has something special about them um, that I look forward to learn about. Um, and their delivery, their way of ed the education style is unique. Like every teacher is different. They, ha they all have different stories that they connect mm -hmm. to their lesson plan. So it's very exciting to just meet them, even if they're always having a bad day, but they always just have a story to tell about mm -hmm. that bad day or, yeah. or that bad time. Or um, So the relationship with them is just very good to have because you never know when you can have a very special talk mm -hmm. or uh, you see them around the grocery store and you say hi yeah. and <laughs> you never know when you might find yourself in need mm -hmm. um, and vice versa they can help you you can help them and even if it's years after and it's just very good thing to keep that friendship yeah alive Especially with the two of you, it's been many, many years that mm -hmm. you've maintained this friendship and this relationship. Do any of your classmates think it's weird that you're still in contact with your fifth grade teacher? Do they have relationships like that? Uh, they, they're always like, oh, I remember her. Yeah. Or you used to say hi to her for me yeah. and things like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember I was in the same class as you and we did this project or, or we did this together or we did like, all these things. Like they still have that nostalgic feeling of going back and like, oh, yeah, I haven't been, like, like long time into the school, and now it's being remodeled or changed, actually. It's a whole yeah. different building, so it's not going to be the same entering another building, but mm. the memories will still be with me and them, of course. So. And, and then something about elementary school that's different than any other schooling is I spent six hours for 180 days with those kids. They'll never have that again because when they go to middle school, they have several teachers, but that's the last time, you know, especially my children that I had for, that were accelerated math, and so they stayed with me all day. It, it was six hours, 180 days together, and you used to really get a strong relationship. And I, I play this little, I make this little PowerPoint on day one called, Who is Miss Hayes? And do you remember that PowerPoint? Because sometimes <laughs> after we'll watch it, the next day they'll go, can we watch it again? Oh, I'm like, it's, because it's what I look like in fifth grade, uh, my cats, where I lived. And they're fascinated that the pictures are in black and white. <laughs> and then I'll always put what year I was born and like, okay, how old am I? And they're going, what? Are you 58, Ms. Hayes? And I'm like, yeah, I'm 58. <laughs> and they're just so, they're just fascinated about your life and pictures of me growing up in Ohio and why I became a teacher and what my interests are. And I think that helps a lot. I think every teacher should do that. Like just on day one, say, here's a little bit about me. 
and things that I like. And kids will still, like later on in the year, they'll reference something that they saw mm-hmm. in the PowerPoint. <laughs> remember, Miss Hayes, she said that, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I made it. I remember it. But, um, yeah, it's like you need to share um, things. And if you're having a bad day, you need to share that with them, too. Like, I'm not having the best day in the world, but... You know, we'll just we'll just plow through this together. But um, kids can be very, very caring, um, and that can build a relationship, especially when you're having something's going on with you. Or sometimes I'll say to them, you know, the kids that leave me to go to another math class, I'll say, you know, she's she's not having a good day today. Could be extra sweet and kind to her today, and they're like, okay, Miss Hayes, I'll do that. I'll Aww. be extra sweet and kind to her. So you know, they um, it's all about that relationship, and as we keep going back to it. It really is everything. Yeah, and it's important for students to see their teachers Mm -hmm. as vulnerable sometimes. It's okay for us to show that side Um, because you're right. It does develop that trust and that rapport and make that relationship so much deeper. Yeah, and and then also I always, you know, sometimes they ask ask a lot of great questions. Like it's just (laughs) mind-blowing with the questions that – 10 year olds can ask you sometimes but I'm really honest with them if I don't know the answer I'll say all right I don't know the answer I will be googling it tonight and I will get back to you after but, I watch that YouTube video yes, of I, you yes I said I, I'll get on that and I will um, come back with a um, a better answer for you tomorrow but if I do know I you know I'll answer their questions but I am amazed how their brains work and I'm thinking why are they thinking about that, that is so interesting to me um, that and then I learn things I go home and I you know I'll google something and I'll do research on it and I'm 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 just like you're not going to believe what I learned and then they'll just be so fascinated <laughs> by it well it sounds like you have a genuine interest and a genuine desire to learn what motivates students and I think that that's a huge secret to why you've been able to stay in education for so long because it's not common for teachers to be, you know, to teach for as many years as you've been teaching, and that's a testament to your your um, desire to build relationships mm-hmm. with your students. So I kind of, I'm wondering how effectively you all think we're able to prioritize relationships in education. Do you think that we do a good job of that in schools? Do you think that things get in the way of that? I think that some policies and protocols and these really fancy words get in the way of having that relationship like oh I'm the teacher so I I, the only thing I can do is read the lesson plan and Mm -hmm. that's it um or vice versa the student just does homework they don't open up and and they just stay in their own lane um however if those protocols I know there's a limit to it of course and but if there's back to the balance there's a balance between the student and teacher relationship that it'll be fine Sometimes I feel like the, um, especially like the state of Virginia, the push for the SOL scores uh, dampen some of the things that I would actually would do with the kids to excite them about learning. And I do try to fit those things in, but it does, you know, put a little box around you when you're trying to get through the curriculum, trying to get the SOL scores. I think if parents knew how much testing was going on, to see, you know, testing, to pre-test them on the SOL, <laughs> to see how they're doing and what they need remediation on. And it it makes it really tough sometimes to find the time to um, get those relationships going where you see, like, this is where you should be on this week and this is what you should be learning. And then this day we're going to be testing them. And it's just like it's completely different because I started teaching right before SOLs. 
And I see the value of SOLs, but then sometimes I think I remember what it was like before we had SOLs. And it was very different and more fluid and more organic than it is now. And uh, it's hard. And I think it's the reason we also lose a lot of good teachers because this whole testing state that we're in now, um, they just, it's a grind. They just, they all, if you hear every teacher just talk, when it's just a group of teachers, they always say, I just want to teach. Yeah. I just want to (laughs) teach. And I don't feel like I'm teaching. I feel like I'm testing. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's part of the problem of not to let that just demoralize you and make you ineffective as a teacher. You just have to keep going and go, okay, well, this day I have to do this, but I'm going to try to find some time to, you know, watch that funny YouTube video of the <laughs> panda sneezing and, right. you know, the baby get, you know the baby gets scared and the mom has a reaction. The kids just love that for some reason. <laughs> you know, just finding those short little things to throw into the day to make the day a little more fun and exciting. Yeah. It's easy to get so hung up on the test scores and the data and all of that. Um, And it's harder sometimes to remember the big picture and why we do what we do and the purpose of education. Um, So, yeah, I agree. It's it's hard as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And it must be hard as a student to see that happening and to recognize what needs to change. Do you guys have anything else you'd like to ask each other or talk about? Well, I will always remember you because you were just a special girl. She was so conscientious and just a joy. I mean, a teacher's joy to teach. And I'll just never forget you. Thank thank you for being my student. (laughs) Thanks. I get weepy sometimes when I think (laughs) about some of the kids. Thank you. Something I'll never forget was the speech at fifth grade graduation. It was a very emotional speech. That I gave uh, about yes. you? Yeah, I, very, I she, really appreciate it. Yeah. She won um, s- sort of, I think it was called like the fifth grade girl of the year <laughs> or something like that. There was always a girl and a boy. And almost every year I have somebody. I had um, I had uh, a boy this year that I talked about, and I cried while that was going on because I know he's very shy, and I thought, he's dying right now while I'm talking oh, about no. him. <laughs> just wants to crawl in a hole but um then uh that year paola paola close (laughs) i'm trying to say her name correctly uh was the student the girl student of the year and uh i try i put a lot of thought into what i say about them and um I I don't think I made it through that without crying. I think I cried that day too. <laughs> yeah, I I'm a big crier when I get emotional about the kids. But um, yeah, it's it's uh it's so sad to see them go, but kind of exciting to see them go on their next leg of their journey. And um, I always say I'm going to have an evil plan where I'm going to start to flunk all my favorite students, and they have to stay with me <laughs> forever, <laughs> forever. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I wish I was in fifth grade still. <laughs> It was a good time. Well, we are going to leave that there for now. But if you can't get enough of this story, you should be sure to join us on October 19th at the 15th Annual Merck Conference, where we will be featuring Ms. Haste, Paola, and 10 other students and educators from across our school divisions in a special session on the importance of relationships in public education. Our theme for the conference is Connections Across Education, Advancing Public Schools Through Research and Relationships. 
We will also have presentations from our ongoing Merck studies, as well as sessions with other researchers, practitioners, and policymakers in metropolitan Richmond. You can learn more on our website at merck.soe.vcu.edu backslash conference. That's merc.soe.vcu.edu backslash conference. There you can submit a proposal, register to attend, check out other episodes of this podcast series, and record a story of your own about a teacher or other educator who made a big impact on your life. Be sure to tune in for other incredible stories from our school divisions. We have a lot of good news to share. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we hope that you will share this episode with anyone you believe could benefit from joining our discussion. We are eager to bring them to the table with us. You can access Abstract on the Merck website, as well as on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We hope you will subscribe and leave some feedback on any of these platforms. My thanks today to Danae Haste and Paola Henriquez for joining us and to all of the teachers, researchers, students, parents, school leaders, policymakers, and other stakeholders in public education, including you, for taking part in this conversation. We hope that we never forget that relationships are truly the foundation of public education. My name is Brianna Nomi, and this has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in public education. Let's talk again soon. And that is it. You have a nice speaking voice. I do. You do. It was just like the your tone and your fluency and your rate is really good.